0: Good morning. Welcome back to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation Podcast, Thursday. It is friggin' Thursday, the 12th of September 2019. Yesterday, obviously, was 9-11. A lot of emotions, a lot of sentiments out there. Almost 20 years later, trying to make sense of that, right? People also discuss a lot about 912, whereby everybody started formulating their response to this, um, you know, not, not in a national response, but a personal, like how should I feel about this? How should I treat the people that were, were here yesterday and then their lives abruptly ended? How to how to manage that, how to process that, how to unpack that. I like that phrase, unpack it. Because we're trying to unpack things all day long, aren't we? Like, how should I compartmentalize this? What should I do? How should I feel about this? And as I stated yesterday, everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who uh, was affected by this was working in the trade center, was there a month prior, their last day of work was on the 10th, stuff like that, oh, I I work in Manhattan, and this is what I remember, everybody needs to share that vivid memory of this horrible day, right, but on the 12th, yeah, we're thinking about that, about our story, because it's always about us, right, always about how the world affects us. We can't help but be like this. It doesn't mean we're selfish necessarily, but um, that's how we kind of make sense of the world, right? Try to see it through our own eyes and imagine that it could happen to us, that we could you know, wind up in some horrible situation, predicament like this where everything is lost. Anyway, not to dwell on that, but... You know, yesterday was also a shitty day in some ways. It was a a wonderful day for me. I had some victories, had busy practice, helped a lot of people, positive day. I felt good at the end of a, a long, hard day. So that's not always the case, man. Often I feel run down, beat up, but I was feeling fairly positive until I get home and I'm scarfing down some cold pork chops and peas and uh I get a message come in from my cousin my cousin's husband um my cousin died she oh man her name was Colleen I hate even saying was right have that happen somebody you lose somebody and you're like yeah John was a great guy or is he a great guy I mean he's still with us in in, uh, in a way I almost refuse to say was but my my cousin Colleen was maybe 50 years old she's a tremendous human being I haven't really been a physical part of her life or had you know, tremendous correspondence other than Facebook likes and comments, your periodic conversation in 20 years, you know, something like that, maybe even longer because we live in two different parts of the country. She grew up in the Midwest with her twin brother and family, and uh, I grew up here on the East Coast. I remember Colleen mostly from our summer vacations. My grandfather, and I'm sure I mentioned this before. We called him Pop-Pop. This is my dad's dad, Papa, Charles Oberst. He was a tremendous human being. He was a craftsman, an artist, a letter carrier in Newark, New Jersey. A kind of an Archie Bunker, friendly type bigot, but just a product of his times. Tremendous guy. I remember we lived there. He lived in Kearney, New Jersey. And um, we would go visit him. And I always wondered at how, you know, us living in the Pine Barrens and kind of like a more of a rural setting with more space to roam. When we would go up to visit him in North Jersey, everything was compartmentalized. Everything was all the Scots-Irish lived on one street, and all the uh, Italians lived on the next street, all the Portuguese, he would call them, live on this street, (laughs) and he would tell us about all of his travels from, uh, essentially from being a mailman, a letter carrier. He had all this experience with people and, and their customs and where they live, and I'm sure he was right. He knew exactly the way it was. But that's the way things were, apparently, in the you know, the nineteenth century. People came over here, people settled, people built lives, people stayed within their communities for the most part. This is before there was I mean, it's the 80s, so there was diversity, but things were still moving in that direction, certainly nowhere near where it was today, anyway, this is all just to say that my grandfather, paternal grandfather, was a phenomenal human being, he always had a painting out, and then and I would go down his basement, and he had these mason jars screwed to the ceiling, their tops, their caps screwed to the ceiling, and, um, or nailed to the ceiling, and you had different gauges of hardware in there. This one for the screws and nuts and bolts, and this is wire nuts in this one, and it was just a, a beautiful little, um, uh, what, is, what do you say, cornucopia or, um, arrangement, organization of his tools. There was always uh, shavings down there somewhere. Wood shavings, and I smelled them. And I would walk out his uh, Bilco doors to the backyard, which is a tiny little space, but they made it into an oasis. It had a concrete bird bath, and it had a, a little grape arbor that you could sit under. And my grandmother, um, she would, uh, she had grapes planted there, of course. And there were Concord grapes, and she would make these. We'd pick them off the vine, trying to dodge the Yellow Jackets. And she would uh, make grape jelly every year and send us home with it. It was fucking delicious. And, of course, nobody knew anybody who had diabetes, right? So we would just fucking chow down on on this grape jelly. Just great memories there, and great memories with my cousin Colleen. Every once in a blue moon they would be in and we would spend some time with Colleen, my Aunt Ellen, my father's sister, uh, older sister by a few years, she was a tremendous fucking human being, unbelievable person, Uh, helped me in a great many ways and I love her and she passed due to breast cancer complications after fighting that scourge for 10 years back in the late 80s, early 90s. So it was with exasperation and shock and awe yesterday that I get a contact from my cousin Colleen's husband, who says that Colleen died, saying, what? I just looking at a picture the other day of your fi- family in Colorado, all smiles, kids all, you know, you almost got an empty nest, the kids... Your youngest is in high school, and your oldest and your middle child are both in college, beautiful children, promising lives, and a wonderful family. That, okay, a picture, of course, paints perfection, happiness, smiles, positive body language. All good. I don't know what their lives are like. I haven't really been present in them for a long time. And I feel horribly guilty for that. They got their shit going on too. So the last thing that they need is old Aaron, you know, nosing in too much. But they looked like the happiest people on earth. So smart. So funny. So in love. Colleen, and her husband, Dave, they just looked like they're always on a fucking nature hike and living out there. They relocated from Indiana to Colorado, however many years ago. And it just looks like a wonderful decision, maybe 10 years ago. Um, so Colleen passed pancreatic cancer. They found out that she had that I don't know... A week ago or something like that... And she had just started treatment... And... Didn't go well... It got really aggressive... And... Apparently she... She just passed... And... You know... I've heard this about... Pancreatic cancer... Mostly when some... A real prominent American... will Oh... Somebody died of pancreatic cancer... Very aggressive... It just creeps up on you... My training I knew... Uh... I was... Covered neoplasia or cancer. I was taught that it is particularly aggressive and it you don't know it's there, it's asymptomatic, and all of a sudden you got full-blown spread of the disease process, and that's it. Well, I guess such is the case of my cousin Kyle. And it just it just sets your mind to turn. I don't know if I it's completely Um, if I processed it yet I mean I was able to sleep through the night woke up really with this on my mind obviously I called my father last night this is his niece right tell him about it he was sleeping so I talked to my mother and she rambled on about all the other things in their lives and health concerns And uh, again that's what this makes you do When you see and witness an untimely loss, you look at your life, you say, man, I could lose everything too. This this person can, can, you know, meet an untimely death, can fall prey to this disease, or, you know, life just seems indiscriminate, right? Here I'm trying to be a good person, trying to make the right decisions. I, you know, treated this many patients today. I helped this many people. I have to go pay my bills now and I've got to, you know, make sure that I pick up chocolate milk on the way home from, from work and, you know, take my kid to football practice, cheer. You know, that's what we're thinking about. And that's what my mother was thinking about. She's just, you know, trying to process what's going on in her life and relate it, give it some context. She hasn't seen Colleen in 30 years either. Maybe she ran into her at our wedding, so maybe it was 13 years. <sighs> Introspection. I mentioned that previously, that midlife crisis time frame. Not, not a crisis, but you're really wondering holy moly, man, what am I working so hard for? Look at all I've built. Look at this castle that I've built in the sand. This fortress. The sand seems so strong. It's a beautiful day. All this work I put in. Building this life. Getting an education. Starting a family. Getting married. Not in that order. Just... Look at all that my efforts and they're finally paying off. Aaron graduated from high school. Aaron joined the Marines. Aaron was honorably discharged from the Marines. Aaron went to college. Aaron went to grad school. Aaron started business. Aaron started a family. You think about all these things that you're doing and all the effort that you put in. But every once in a while you get reminded and progressively towards midlife you become reminded that the universe owes us fucking nothing, man. Just by chance that there's some mutation in your in your body. You can have you can fall prey to some horrible affliction. Seemingly random affliction. Where'd that come from? Wasn't expecting that. I was 50. I was diagnosed. One day, I'm sending my kids off to college. The next day, I'm diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I'm dead. What about the people that that remain? What kind of hope do we have? Should we have? We just keep on going, right? One foot in front of the other. Do our best... Just like 9-11, we will forget about those who, we can't think about this 24-7. At some point, time is going to heal us. We'll think about the fallen, think about the people we lost along the way. But we also got to think about living in, in the now, in the present. What am I doing in the present? I'm going to teach uh, 60 university students here in anatomy and physiology as the weekend approaches, you know. i got to figure out how I'm going to perform. And I will. You know, I got, I'm thinking about cleaning the floor in of my office and tidying up before the evening rush. Thinking about maybe stopping at the store, getting that chocolate milk. Taking my dog for a walk, out in the down by the creek. Vacuuming the house so that my family can come home to a nice clean environment as we approach the weekend. I'm thinking about those checks that are going to come in the mail today, like, you know, so I can make some nice deposits, so that I can pay bills and go on vacations and buy kids. You know, provide for my family, all that shit. So anyway, trying to unpack all this. I think about my cousin Colleen and the times we had jumping off this dock. I mentioned my grandfather. I should have mentioned. I don't know if I did at this point. But he used to take us, he used to rent a lake, rent a home on a lake in the Poconos. Poconos for, I think, the entire summer, at least a month, and we would go out there, my sister and I, for a week, and he'd take my other cousins, Kevin and Colleen, for a week, and we'd compare notes, well, last last week, Kevin and Colleen, they were jumping off the dock, and they swam all the way behind the boat, and they are on the swim team, and um they caught a big bass and we went out to eat here and we're gonna try that again. Let's go to that spot where we can kept. So Kevin and Colleen were a little bit older than us, and he probably had a lot more fun with them. Um because they were a little bit more mature to hang out with them. Um whatever. They you know they went and they we we all went up there to this lake in the Poconos it's probably a couple hours from here you know it seems like it's I haven't been there forever but it's probably only a mere couple hours from where I live in Pennsylvania and so many times I thought about going out there driving up on a weekend or whatever And seeing this lake and and trying to arrange for some sort of, you know, going to one of the local houses and trying to get a a rental for a week and, and relive these times where me and Eve and Kevin and Colleen were jumping off the dock and fishing for bass in a rowboat, walking around the woods scampering up and down the creaky wooden steps that led down to the lake the memories that we made just in this trip just in this experience they are timeless unbelievable that's my measuring stick that's my remembrances of Colleen I always regarded her as beautiful and smart and kind, just like her mom. Just good people. How the fuck is it that somebody, that this could happen to someone? So good, so virtuous. And you got other people stones throw away, who are pieces of shit, not to judge, but, you know, it's like, it don't matter who you are or what you do, we're all going to die, and I read and listened to some uh, wisdom on that very topic, listen, we're all going to fucking die. Some of us might live till we're 90, and others might make it to 50. Whether you get into a traffic accident, or you just have a friggin' heart attack, or you're taking a shit and you just fall off the pot, I don't know how it works. I'm hoping not to find out anytime soon, but I'm not frightened of death. But yeah, when you think about the thousands of individuals who perished in the trade towers, or who just pass in a seemingly random way every day, just the probability that you know, the people that we're going to pass on the road today, just the sheer numbers of us, there are all times of all types of and kinds of ways that it can be over in a flash. And that sucks, man. That's unfortunate. But it's also very motivating in a way. Since this is the Making Motivation Podcast. Because it makes you want to maximize on your time here. It should make you feel that way. It should make you want to live a better life. Because somebody doesn't have that opportunity. That precious commodity of life of time here. You think about all the stupid shit that we complain about, and it is ridiculous, man, you know? I mean, this is the punctuation mark at the end of a long, busy, productive, and otherwise happy day. I get this kind of call. Now i got to call my dad, who's a 70-something-year-old man. And he's had some health problems, and he's... Kind of a hermit, not a hermit, but a uh, I don't know it, he just doesn't seem like a happy individual doesn't seem like he's maximizing on his on this time that he does have. I mean he's still got all his limbs he's still got a decent head on his shoulders he's a good man. I'd like to see him. You know, take the last decade of his life, most likely, and uh, live. You know, do something special with it. Something to, you know, some way to, to go out in class, in style, with every cell in your body quivering and working and producing, get out there, you know, go to the fucking library, pull out some of your favorite books, read a new book, make a friend, go on a fishing trip, come visit, you know, see your son, his football game or your daughter's cheer competition or, you know, come down and make wood with us. That's what, that's what this makes me want to do. Honestly, this makes me want to call my father today and deliver this news. I'm sure my mother will all have already have done that. And I want to call him and say, Colleen passed, Dad. Fucking horrible. These are the circumstances. Now what about us? What are we doing here? Come up and visit you. How you doing? How can I help you? Can I can I be more present in your life? Because I'm really not. I live three hours away. I don't go visit them. And I'll tell you, you know, part of the reason why is they're always fucking miserable, man. There's always some sort of drama going on. There's always something negative up there. And a lot of it is real. And a good part of it, a good percentage of it is drama that is created. Not that we want to be unhappy, but we always find a way to complain about something at the end of the day. And that becomes the trend. That becomes your method. You want to to be, be, be truthful about my life? You know, not my life, but I'm saying people can say this. I fucking squandered it. I squandered my life complaining about stupid shit, being unhappy, when really, every day is a fucking gift. It's like that Gary Vaynerchuk quote or video that I've posted, you know, you got a one in, you know, however many billion chances. Um, And if you're going to be born into something, to be born as a human being, in this particular time in the world, as an American, as you know, you you hit the fucking jackpot. The probability that you could actually have an opportunity to be a human being and, and have an opportunity to to get in the game to thrive, that is not a very likely thing. So you're alive today by having hit the jackpot. A genetic jackpot. So let's not fucking squander our lives. When, you, when we have a, a loss like this, sustain a, a loss, somebody in the family that you look at and just admire and say, Holy shit, what a great human being, looked so happy. I'm sure they have their struggles like everyone else, but man, that was really squeezed in a lot of living. I better get my shit together. And I think that that is is the value, if there's any upside to one of these losses, if there's uh, anything to unpack, quote unquote, that is of that particular value. It is that it reminds you that the clock is ticking on us all and we can do our best to live a healthy, productive life, eat the right foods, get the right amount of rest, strive for success for us and our family. But in a seeming random uh, event, it can be over for us like that. And it could be something that we completely didn't see coming and we didn't didn't have uh, any say over or any really ability to fight back. That's the thing about us as humans too. We want to fight back. We want to have a know our enemy so that we can we can go on the offense. And Life doesn't always give you that chance, so every day we should wake up right, and we should um, live our best lives. That's what this is teaching me. As we, as the week comes to a close and we finish our. Orders of business so that we can maybe squeeze in a little bit of fun this weekend. Maybe rather than running around doing all kinds of housework and, and all that stuff, I mean, I gotta do it. I gotta, you know, make sure I keep my, our ducks in a line. But while holding all that together, I'm gonna be planning a vacation. Or I'm gonna be thinking about the people in my lives, so maybe a way I can help somebody or be impactful in the most positive of ways maybe this cousin my remaining cousin and their family that I have heretofore been estranged from maybe my family maybe we can rekindle something and, and get back together and be kind to one another and be thankful that we have the time that we do and love one another this is about love. If nothing else. And so I'm gonna live out loud and live to the best of my possible my ability and I'm not gonna sweat the small shit. Because I've been reminded once again that the universe don't know is a goddamn thing. And here today, gone tomorrow. That is motivating. Because when the curtain closes on Aaron Oberst I want people To say That was a fucking good motherfucker That was a good man I remember this time He taught me this He made me laugh He made me think He did. He would do anything for anybody He really looked happy See myself back on that dock at Lake Suego. The blue green waters, tinge of dark green sunlight in the early morning penetrating the upper layers of that lake. Sunnies or crappies or whatever you call them coming up to the dock, cutting worms up with Grandma or a Swiss Army knife, and throwing a bobber over with a hook and pulling in some crappies all day long. My first experience fishing. Rowing out there on the lake with Grandpa. The creak of the boats, the aluminum boats against the dock, This rowboat's better than that one. Let's use this. And the squeak of the oars in their sockets pulling away from the dock and sweep of water with the oars drifting into a a perfect spot where a downed tree had fallen into the shallows and casting that jitterbug or that rubber worm out there watching the fish come in and scooping it off the top of the water and fighting that in sometimes it would let go sometimes you wouldn't catch that lunker but other times if you were fortunate with Gramps pop um tutelage we would reel that sucker in Pull it into the boat, kiss it, and let it go. Go back to the house, eat some Liverwurst and Swiss cheese and cream sodas, dried apricots out of the box from ShopRite. Go shoot a BB gun with Kevin. Go swim or run up the hill with Colleen and scout out the old school bus that had been parked up there graffitied hillbillies probably did that go out have a nice dinner climb into grandpa's diesel rabbit head out down to Damascus Pennsylvania or one of the local towns and have a nice meal out somewhere. We had no, lo- no sense of knowing, no way to know what our lives would be like. We were kids in the 80s. We had no way of knowing what adventures we would go on, how long and productive our lives would be. It was the beginning of our lives. It was the, the formative years. And all I know, I regarded my cousins, Kevin and Colleen, as you know, they were head in the game and they were, had great guidance from their parents. And they were. I admired them. I looked up to them. And we had our lives. They began over the decades... We met all those rites of passage and now have arrived at this time. And as I sit in the parking lot, heading, about to head into the lecture this morning, I'm just thinking about whether or not the audiovisual equipment's gonna fail me today. But I don't give a fuck. I'm thinking about tonight working, the weekend is upon us tomorrow. And all the things that we're going to do then, and how I'm going to squeeze some you know, some good times in there amid all the commitments, and how I'm going to live every day to its fullest, because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Little quote that every mother and grandma passed down from generation to generation: Life is not guaranteed, Aaron. It's not. And so if we're here. We live in the moment. We have the opportunity to put some points on the board for the goddamn home team. And that's what I'm going to do today. I love you, Kyle. I love you, Kevin. I love you, Dave. Love and respect.